0: Individual ...self-interest promotes a functioning and efficient system beneficial to society, is key to what is known as the classical school of economics. The Wealth of Nations was a foundational text for this school. Classical economists argued that markets are fundamentally self-regulating and self-correcting, but only if they are free from government interference and if individuals are free from coercion. Under these conditions, as Smith describes it, markets appear to be governed by an invisible hand that produces a natural stability. Supply meets demand and resources are used effectively. Competition is a vital component of this system. Market equilibrium can only be reached if buyers can choose between various suppliers. Then, suppliers can compete for buyers, and companies that do not win buyers are allowed to fail. Smith warns repeatedly of the dangers of monopoly, where one firm controls supply. Overall, the wealth of nations provides a systematic way of understanding capitalism, the dominant political and social ideology of the West in which industry is held in private hands, and the market economy. It also provides an insight into how a free market ideology forms. A free-market approach to economics views the competitive market as natural. As such, it is best left free from government interference. These arguments have tremendous resonance in contemporary society. Today's political and economic debates usually fit somewhere on a spectrum, advocating either more or less government interference. For example, In the United States, the Tea Party is a conservative political grouping that advocates minimal government intervention. They see a vision of the society they want in the ideas of Smith and classical economics. Meanwhile, the largest center-left party in the United States, the Democratic Party, is not ideologically opposed to government intervention. It generally rejects Smith's notion that the invisible hand creates equilibrium in an unregulated free market, and argues that the free market is detrimental to those who are less well-off. It believes that social justice is achieved through government policies that consider the well-being of this section of society. When the Communist Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, many believe that this represented the triumph of free market capitalism and the death of alternative forms of economic life. There was a rush toward freer markets and trade around the globe. Adherence to Smith's ideas appeared set in stone. But this view was challenged by the global financial crisis of 2007 to 2008 and the subsequent recession. These upheavals led to the reemergence of the debates about government oversight of the economy and the free market. These are the debates that began in earnest with Adam Smith and the Wealth of Nations. Why Does the Wealth of Nations Matter? Smith's text has as much relevance, if not more, today as it did when it was published. The key questions asked in the Wealth of Nations still preoccupy us. What is the role of the government in the economy? What outcomes may be expected if individuals are left to interact freely within the free market? What is the best way to organize society? Why, in all the apparent chaos of the world, is there a seeming order to socioeconomic life? When Smith was writing the book, he was arguing against the dominant economic paradigm or model of 18th century Europe, that of mercantilism. According to this theory, a nation's economy exists only as a way to strengthen the government, in which case it should be strongly controlled by the state. Mercantilism also held that a nation's wealth is determined by the stock of gold and silver physically present within it, so the role of government is to prevent these commodities from leaving the country a nation can hang on to its wealth by imposing high tariffs on imports and by protecting national industries and agriculture. After the publication of The Wealth of Nations, in which Smith successfully challenged mercantilism, the theory went into a steep decline. Governments, particularly that of Britain, began pursuing global free trade policies.